Hello, everyone, and welcome. You're listening to Cost of Goods Sold. I'm your host, Jennifer Myers Chua, and this is episode number 20. This is Cost of Goods Sold, a podcast about the environmental and social costs of the things we buy. In each episode, we explore topics like sustainability, innovation, social entrepreneurship, the circular economy, conscious consumerism, and how we can all affect change. Be inspired by thoughtful designers and responsible creators and curators using business to create positive impact. And listen to hear the stories of those taking on the world's biggest challenges and making meaningful contributions towards a better future. In today's episode, we chat with Alicia Lumsden from Queen Shop Fine Hairdressing. We learn what led Alicia to create a salon where sustainability and community could coexist, what sustainable means in the hairdressing world, how Alicia deals with the salon's waste from hair clippings to water and packaging, and how her battle with environmental sensitivities influenced these decisions. We discover how she's using the salon to help alleviate food insecurity in her neighborhood, what she's doing about gratuities and wages, and why Queen Shop is a model for what is possible, a salon with respect for the community and the environment. This episode is brought to you by Hip Mummies, carefully curated wholesale merchandise for modern retail. If you want to stock your shelves with brands that are socially responsible and sustainable, or if you want to be a part of the collection that is delighting Canadian retail, visit hitmummies.ca. Alicia Lemsden founded Queen Shop Fine Hairdressing, a boutique hair salon in Toronto's Bloordale neighborhood in the city's West End. She opened Queen Shop with sustainability, beauty, and community in mind, words displayed on the shop's front window, providing some insight into Alicia's mission. And for the last seven years, Queen Shop has been doing its part. Alicia has created a more sustainable salon by focusing on eco-conscious products and practices and caring for the environment and the health of her community. One percent of their sales go to The Stop and Trees for Life, projects which provide healthy food, foster social connections, build food skills, promote civic engagement, and build the tree canopy in and around the community. And for Alicia, how to communicate the Queen Shop's impact has been on her mind. I've just been really trying to take a step back and relook at things. For me, it's always been important to not follow what the average person is doing, whether it's my physical identity or just what I do on a day-to-day. I've actually been thinking this week about sustainability or caring about our people and our planet, how do we then change our message that that is just the standard and then evolve into a more unique brand? And it's a message worth sharing. According to Green Circle Salon, 63,000 pounds of hair gets thrown away each day, producing greenhouse gases as it breaks down, contributing to climate change. 850 pounds of waste was created 
and measured in one year by Queen Shop alone. However, they recycle and repurpose 95% of salon waste, including hair clippings, foils, packaging, and excess color. Hair color, lightener, and toner are thrown away every day. And when rinsed down the drain, they can find their way back into our drinking water and soil. I met Alicia through Christy and Brianna at Decade Impact. You might remember them from episode 14. Alicia and I went through the B Corp readiness program together. A hair salon was one of the last businesses that I had naively thought could create positive impact. And after hearing all of the careful considerations that the Queen Shop team has taken in terms of social environmental initiatives, I was left so inspired. Because no matter what your industry is, there are small changes you can take to build a really special, impactful business and lower the carbon footprint, even in a salon. And before opening, Alicia had been hairdressing for nine years. She also spent time as a makeup artist and in wardrobe on film sets. She ended up at a popular Toronto salon, where she spent several years being taught and mentored by hairstylists she respected. But when Alicia went through a separation, everything changed. I think at that point when I was opening, I always did want to open, but you get complacent with life. Nothing's really urging you to take that next step. But I was in a position where I had a couple years out of my separation and just kind of like, well, what else is there? (laughs) When you leave that big dramatic thing in your life and you have to reevaluate what's going on and what's actually going to make you happy. That's where I was at. Also at this time, Alicia was not feeling well. She had a massive knot in her stomach and some other health issues which led her to realize that she had food sensitivities or allergies. I mean, something was up. And it wasn't immediately clear what was wrong. While she began to look more into nutrition and environmental allergies, her husband at the time began to look at food and the world in general from a climate perspective. He began to be concerned about prepping for the end of the world, future doom scenarios. And Alicia didn't take it that far, but it did open her eyes to the realities of the changing world and her place in it. And looking back now at her younger self, Alicia was always interested in how she could affect change. I was always like, well, we can't waste that, or that doesn't go in the garbage, that goes in the recycling, or like, well, where can I help? I think actually that was the bigger thing too. All those uh, environmental things were definitely key for me. Loving animals, wanting to be outside in the garden. But I think also... Even though I was quiet and I'm a very small person, I was still the first to speak up about something. So if people were bullying others, I was still like, what are you you doing? So, I mean, I think all of those things, who I am today as a person, whether it's what I care about for the planet or what I care about for people, yeah, it was all there as a child. Queen Shop is a diverse and inclusive space. What do you mean by that? I want everyone to feel welcome. So. One thing I heard when I was hairdressing as a career before opening was that, you know, someone would walk into a space and they would just feel judged. They would feel like they needed to do their hair before they went to the salon to feel accepted to be there. And to me, that was just like, you're paying me. Why am I? I mean, I'm full of judgments. (laughs) I'm a Virgo, I'm full of judgments, but like, there's no need to make someone else feel awful because you're analyzing what's going on. I think that's what a lot of people do predominantly as a protective thing for themselves. 
their ego kind of comes out and, and wants to like, I don't know, fight for them. And so they end up treating others poorly. I think that's the biggest thing. Salons tend to have big egos and there's just no place anywhere for a big mean ego. Just an aside in the 90s, I used to go to Coop Bazaar on Queen Street. I went there because I wanted very out there asymmetrical cuts and they were really the best at that. But that was a space where I very much did feel judgment. And then as I transitioned through my life, so then I remember I was like 26 and I was still going there. Two stylists I would go between. And I remember saying, but I have Mm -hmm. a job now at like a corporate place. So we need to, we need to transition somehow into something that is a little, and they were just not impressed with my life choices. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I can totally see that being a thing. I think is the extreme and with that, eventually, if you didn't know, you sooner or later knew that it was just where you went to have something a certain way. You didn't really have the conversation. You just you just got what you got. It was going to be great, but you got what you got. But even even everywhere else, you still get the subtleties of, oh, you're not good enough to be here. You know, it's like, have you ever walked into like a really expensive store in your your sweats? And then you go in like a week later in your really nice trench coat and like all of your jewelry on. And the way you're treated is just night and day. You're like, I still have the same money, same person. So what is the experience of walking into your shop? What happens when someone comes and visits you? <laughs> what happens is that someone walks in and they're greeted with, I guess, the, the feeling of a friendly smile because you can't see our smiles. And just acknowledged, welcome, show them around get them all set up and uh, comfortable. Right now, I feel like it's a little different and less nice. But before, it was definitely very homey. I'd like to make people feel at home. Definitely, as a human, I get a little anxious being a hostess because I want to make sure that all the things are done. But in the salon space, it's nice. We show them around. We tell them exactly what's expected of them, bring them coffee, tea, any other beverages they might want, and just continuously direct them. I think that's the big thing that I'm always letting new staff know is that this is your home and every client is a guest and it is your responsibility to let them know where they can put their coat, if they need to take their shoes off, if they would like a beverage, where they're going to stay and hang out while you leave the room for a moment and come back, when their stylist is going to come. Those are all little things that will allow the person to be put at ease and know their place. And I think that's on a, on a bigger thought. We all just want to know our place. We've had the opportunity to talk a lot about diversity, equity, and inclusion outside of this conversation. And I know that that is really important to you. What does the makeup of your staff look like? How are you being inclusive as a business owner? It is predominantly women. We're not all women now, and we don't all identify as she. So that that is a thing. I don't think I'm not judging anyone on what their gender is or what their look is. I want men, women, non-binary to work in the space, and I want people with interesting, unique styles. I want them to actually show their their style. I think as as was commented recently that I don't have a dress code. I do have a dress code. It's just 
is professional trendy. So you don't have to wear all black, you don't have to wear all white, but you have to be professional in your style because hairdressers are artists, so they should be representing their style, whether that's through their their clothing, their hair, whatever that might be, they should still be representing that. When it comes to ethnicity, I think that's always a challenging one because I can't I can't just go out and be like, you, I need you because you're going to fix this, especially when you're looking for skills. And I, I definitely want it and I encourage it. I often actually find more comfort in it if I can find it, if it comes my way and they fit the space. And that's the other side too, is like everyone that comes in to be hired, I I ask them, do you understand what the word sustainability means? And so I kind of need someone who's interested in at least learning about it. And so I find that even as it is, I already cut down the amount of people that I can hire for any position in the space because of that, because people just don't, don't necessarily care, which is unfortunate, but hoping I can change that. I don't really talk about this, so I guess this is another part of why if I can find people of different ethnicities is actually important to me. I'm a quarter Japanese, and my mom definitely grew up in a time being half Japanese where she was made fun of a lot and often, and I think it intensely impacted the way she evolved as a human, as an adult. I think there's just so much trauma. For her growing up in a time when, I mean, I think people from Japan couldn't be citizens until maybe five years before she was born in Canada, which is just, it's just mind blowing when you think about it. You know, when I think about that, my own ancestors had property and had all that taken from them and put it into a camp because there was a war going on somewhere else. They were instantly accused of of doing wrong when they just simply were born somewhere. I think that's that's a big part of why I do want a diversity and inclusion everywhere I can, whether you have a different skin color, whether you don't have the funds, you know, whether you're you're having a hard time, whether you're living on the street, whatever your situation is, I think I think we all just deserve a little love and compassion. I do want to get back to how you're supporting your community, but I would love to talk about sustainability. When you were in hair school or acting as a hairstylist or working in that space, and you began to look at things like conventional hair care products and conventional treatments, did you find anything surprising? A lot of people fall into the interests of sustainability in different ways. They will Start exploring, going down some sort of route and be like, this is not what I thought it was at all. Or I can't believe how much plastic waste we have here. Or I can't believe that this choice I'm making actually impacts someone else down the line in a different way than I thought originally. Mm-hmm. We had two big bins in the in the basement, I guess three, where I worked. One was garbage, one was recycling. And I mean, that was always a little thing for me. Like, that doesn't belong in there. And then the big hairpin, and then that kind of just goes out with garbage. And that was always a thing where I was like, I don't, isn't there a solution here? And there there was, I think around when I did start, but it was a pretty small company, Green Circle Salons had already started. And it just, it took a while for people to understand that there is a solution. And I think that's more recent that that's been a thing that people are thinking about. 
and realizing that if you put something in the recycling bag, it doesn't mean it gets recycled. Aside from that, I, I don't think I thought much about the, the things that we used because I suppose I didn't realize that there could possibly be other solutions. And the thing that I think I thought about most was when I did start to go through those changes with my ex-husband, changing our diet, changing like how much time we spent outside. I would actually go to work after a weekend and get a headache from just just smelling the shampoo. And to me, that was a big red flag to imagine how sick people probably could get if they had a higher sensitivity to what was in the products. These products that you're using, when I think of salons and I think of salon quality products or the kind of products that I would think as someone who doesn't work in this space at all, I would think of your shampoos Mm -hmm. that are lining the walls beautifully in the salons for purchase. I don't think that they're going to be sustainable. Like, that's not the first thought that comes to my mind. I think they're going to work really well. Can you explain to me what kind of products you've chosen to use or why you made those decisions? When I was opening, I was looking at a lot of different options because that was important to me. I knew what I used at home. I knew how I felt when I went into the salon after the weekend. And I didn't have any severe ailments aside from my digestive issues. But I mean, a headache is alarming enough. And so I wanted to make sure that the company cared and also had plant-based ingredients and also was effective because I think until more recently, and I'm sure there's a lot of hairdressers who still don't believe it, the idea would be that a plant-based hair color, you think of henna or you think of like like the stuff you buy in the natural drugstore, but that's never looks nice and your grays aren't getting covered. So that was a big factor for me as well when I was looking at different companies. And I almost couldn't find something that still had good reviews on their uh, gray coverage. If you can't cover gray, you don't have the company. (laughs) You have nothing, is, is my perspective as a hairdresser. So I ended up actually looking at Daphnis, which is what we carry. And I didn't realize that they had color. I was just looking at them for their products. And and then I realized that they had color as well. And I kind of fell in love with them almost instantly. I asked around a few friends that I knew used their products as well. Do you like them? Do they do the job? Are they less than great? What was the end result? And they gave me a little care package. Take home. Try it. They care. They're a family-owned company. They have their own manufacturer where they manufacture other products. So I know they're not getting sold out, which to me is was also a fear. You get invested into a company and then some big company buys them and then everything's washed out. Uh, and it's no longer what it was, but you still have the same branding and marketing. Their main line, they have slow food farms in Italy that they have one ingredient from like their active ingredient from one of these farms and that's what they use. When I started with them, it was before they were B Corp, but in I think 2016, they became a B Corp. And so they're just continuously doing a new thing each year and changing their formulas and evolving their packaging to continuously become more and more sustainable. I found them quite exciting. Is there anything else about our trip to the salon that's maybe less than ideal in terms of sustainability? We use a lot of water. And I guess that's 
That's another thing I love about Davinus. They have a high percentage of naturally derived ingredients and biodegradable ingredients. As we're using a mass amount of water with, we got a company called Ecoheads. And so it just kind of changes the flow. So you get more pressure, but with less water used. And then all the shampoo and color that you wash down the drain is just a little bit softer on the water that then needs to be cleaned out. I think that's probably one of the biggest things. We do recycle. We use Green Circle salons to recycle everything and they take everything to a manufacturer to turn it into something else. So that's nice to know compared to city uh, recycling. We need a lot of lights. That was a big thing for me at the beginning when we opened is changing everything into LEDs or any appliances or fixtures that we have, having them being Energy Star or somehow cutting down on the amount of energy that was used. If you're enjoying this podcast, please consider taking the time to rate and review it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It helps us spread the word about the project and about brands that are truly making a difference. On to the show. So how environmentally friendly can a salon be really? You've done so much to create this low-waste environment. I'm wondering if there is anything else that you're striving towards in your efforts to become green? In a perfect world, in a perfect world, I would have a standalone space where I could have solar panels and uh, a gray brown water system, maybe some geothermal heating, but that's not really, that's not realistic in the city. Maybe if I have a place in the country or something, I can do some little spa retreat kind of thing with all of those magical systems in place. I mean, I don't know if there is much more we could do right now. We try to reuse whatever we can. We go through tons of towels. And so when they start to disintegrate, we'll cut them up and we we use them as decoration in the salon or find other ways that we can turn them into something. Even with our cleaning products, we make sure that all of our cleaning products are eco-friendly, mindful of where we're getting them. We usually use Sapinetti across the street. They're a refill company. So we usually get the majority of our cleaning products from them, which is great. And then we can just refill all of our bottles all the time versus having to buy new bottles. Yeah. I mean, we have pretty low waste. We're not a big enough space to utilize a compost system. So that would go to the same as my standalone space and I'd have a spot for a compost in the back and it wouldn't matter. Yeah. I think those are the things I would love. Someone gave me brilliant ideas for other things. I feel like you can always only think so far, right? And if I walk into your salon, you've taken my coat away and you're offering me a beverage or a snack, as salon owners do, what will I be served or what will I be offered when I come to visit you? So we have been using Genuine Tea, which is an ethically sourced um, local tea brand. Lovely, lovely couple, lovely company. We also use Propeller Coffee which is also around the corner from us, which is great. And they're similar fair trade ethical brand as well. Additionally, we are licensed. So you can have local craft beer or a glass of bubbly if you like. For snacks, we used to do a snack spread, vegetables and hummus and crackers and 
and all that good stuff. I don't carry any meat or dairy in the salon. So if you do want milk with your coffee or tea, it's going to be oat milk. If you really want milk, which is fine, but I don't judge anyone. There's a cafe right next door. So we'll, we'll run next door and get you some of that. And so you said you serve bubbly on occasion. Does that mean that you do community events? We haven't in a while. I really can't wait until things go a little bit more back to normal. We just do so many fun things throughout the year. We have artwork throughout the year. We change it every couple months to a different artist. So we always start with an art opening. And so that's an open house and anyone can come in and we have alcohol available or we carry loop juice. Oh my gosh, check them out. They use near bad fruit and veggies. They're from Montreal. They make cold-pressed juice, and I believe they just started making beer. They may have even started making it gin. I don't know. They're cool. I think they're cool. You've really taken every little aspect of the experience into consideration, really, for your guests and created this environment that seems to be incredibly sustainable, which is surprising because when I think of – A hair salon, it seems like the last type of business that you could take and make it into something that's eco-friendly. How did you stumble upon this idea to even try to take on such a, in my opinion, massive feat? Thank you. I think it's just, it's everything I want in my life. I can be a snob in the best of way. I think that's just what it comes down to is I just, I, I want these things for myself. And maybe even it's my own self-reflection that I I would feel like a hypocrite offering something, even though I know you can't be perfect. I do have perfectionist issues. I know you can't be perfect when it comes to being sustainable and having perfection as the goal is not healthy, but we have been open for several years. So every step of the way, another thing gets changed, evolved and grows and gets better and better and better. You know, we didn't open licensed. We didn't open with the way that our, our place looks now. But every step of the way, we add something new or we reevaluate and see how things can be done better. And I noticed that you have an online shop too and that you sell some other sustainable goods. Can you tell us what those are mm-hmm. and why you chose to do that? It wasn't necessarily something I always wanted to do to have the online store, but I feel like out of so many closures and being locked down for so long, it became necessity to evolve into its own store. The pursuit of finding products was rather challenging. All the different little aspects that matter to me, I had to then find in a product. And they exist, which is exciting, but it was hard to find things that are actually sustainable. And so what I found is there's so much beauty stuff being launched right now, but then the packaging isn't in line. And to me, that's just so confusing. Why would you go through the effort of making a sustainable on the inside, but not sustainable on the outside. Why are we not talking about our packaging? As a province, as a world, we're pushing for an elimination on single-use plastics, but we're not talking about our packaging. So that I think that would end up being my, my biggest thing when I was looking for products, making sure that our packaging, when we were sending it out to you, was going to be sustainable and that you could count on us for that. I don't know about you, but I hate getting something and there's just all this extra stuff and space. You're not going to receive a a packaging slip in our shipments because I don't personally like them when I get them. I know what I ordered. (laughs) 
I don't need a checklist of what I ordered. So that's something we don't do. And then it was also important that what we were sending as, as best as we could, the ingredients were good. The product itself was functional and effective so that the packaging, the company cared about their packaging, whether it was a sustainable by default or they actually took an extra initiative. One company that I love, Axiology, they're the little makeup lid to lip balmies so you can put it on your lips, your cheeks, and your eyelids. And they're all really subtle tones. As a makeup artist to a consumer, they're foolproof because they just blend really well. But additionally, their packaging is recycled from the beaches of Bali. And then they employ local people to help that situation. So they're removing waste, they're employing people, and they're giving you a sustainable recyclable packaging. So when your clients come in to visit you in the salon, do they understand how much impact you're creating here? How do you feel people are responding to this messaging? Because it just seems like you're doing so much. I'm just wondering, how are people resonating with this? Or do you think that consumers are still just looking to get beautiful hair and don't care so much about what's gone on in behind the scenes? Yeah, we could always do better at um, better educating. At the same time, I think, I guess, a key marketing thing is repetition, right? The more you repeat, the things, the more people actually hear it because they don't often hear it the first couple of times. I think there are people that care and those are definitely our fans. I think there are slowly becoming more and more people that care. I also think that not everyone's going to nerd out the way I am currently about these kinds of things. And that's fine. So long as we can take the thinking out of it for people who don't care as much. And just make it an easy, like, you don't have to care. This is just good quality stuff that's doing good in the world. However, we can get that message out. I do think a lot of our clients do come because we take the the extra work of caring out of it for them. They just, they know that they've made a good decision and everything's just going to get taken care of for when they're there. We're going to recommend things that are good for them as well as good for the planet. And so you've been going for B Corp certification. Are there many salons that are B Corp certified? There's one out West. One in all of Canada. <laughs> so I'm okay to be second. I, I can follow. And B Corp certification is difficult to get. And I can only imagine that it would be very difficult in a business like mm-hmm. yours. I, I feel like as a as a company that relies on basically what you do with your brick and mortar and your employees and your policies on who you choose to carry, I do find it is actually a little bit more difficult versus being a brand, like a product brand, to actually to check the boxes. There's more discovery for sure. Yeah. What we do, hair itself, isn't an act that that really does anything in these areas. I mean, obviously there's little things, little subtleties in in the amount of compassion that you have, but it's not directly impacting the the social and the environmental part. 
So I do find it can be a little bit tricky for that. I would definitely say that since I've started looking at B Corp, my comfort level with offering my team more and more has definitely expanded. You know, I think when you're small and starting out, you only have a few employees, it's kind of hard to rationalize. Well, I only have this much coming in. How can I give you more than just being nice and supportive and helping you build your career? How can I give you a higher wage? How can I give you benefits? How can I, you know, give you sick days? Like those little things that do help an employee succeed and feel better. It's hard to imagine as a small employer. But the more I've kind of looked at it and thought about it and and was brought awareness through B Corp about it and ask more questions. It just allowed me to to just have the comfort and confidence that I can actually offer those things. And it it isn't actually going to cost the business that much more in the long run. And I, I think that was probably the bigger impactful <clears throat> thing going through the, the B Corp journey. We're already doing so much sustainability wise. I feel like that's, those are all just easy givens for us. Is there any other way that you're affecting social change with your business? I think so. I'm actually excited to possibly affect more social change I'm going to adjust our prices in the new year for removing gratuities. Throughout the past couple of years, it's been more on the hair industry's mind. Why are we still taking gratuities? Why is this a thing? It's uncomfortable. As much as a stylist can say that it's a gift and they just simply appreciate it, it still becomes part of their income. And part of their expected income because they use that for a certain part of their bills. Why is this a thing? Why isn't that just in your pay? Why is that how we're doing things? There are other salons doing it, not many, but I hope that we can encourage some sh- social innovation with that mentality and evolving those kinds of things. In the new year, at some point when it starts to warm up, we're going to start doing some more pay-what-you-can haircuts with the stop. We're finally a big enough team. We have the support. We have the time. I think that's something we can definitely do, and I think it, it's needed as well with how much, how many people have lost their jobs, how many people of lower-income-paying jobs have definitely felt the hit over the last couple of years. And prices are just going up. <laughs> what about collectively our children, the adults of the future, the hairstylists of the future? How do you think that what you're doing with your salon is impacting future generations? I know when I was starting out, I was on my honeymoon with my ex, and um, we were at a cute little Airbnb in Niagara Lake. And so we had these super cute. 60 plus couples sitting around us, so excited for our newlywedness. And so they were asking what we did. He was an electrician. We're both trades. We both have to go through the ministry and the Ontario College of Trades and write an exam. His process is a little bit longer, but ours requires more school. So there's there's a little bit of a similarity. And starting out, we we both made the same and eventually... I made more. And the these adorable couples around us, uh, however many generations older, the second I said that I was a hairdresser, they're like, oh, that's nice. That's nice for you. 
and he said he was an electrician, and they were just like, oh, look at you, that's great. So <laughs> I think I think that's what the industry currently wants to change. Hairdressers have a lot to offer, and as much as having your hair hygiene taken care of is necessity, having your hair done is also a luxury. And if you're going to a higher-end salon, it's because those hairdressers have put a lot of work and effort into training and evolving their skills. And their skills are technical as well as managing a person in their chair, managing assistants to support them with that. And then also being a creative and doing all of those things at the same time while building their career. Most people don't think hairdressers do that much. Most people think we just go to work and have fun and chew some bubble gum and that's it. They don't think about the all of the different little things that go into it, as well as the pseudo-therapists that we are as well. I'm excited to see that evolve. So you've made big strides in changing the hair game in terms of how people view hairstylists, how really low waste you can become as a hair salon. You're really pushing these boundaries. Are you hopeful now for the future? That's a tough one. (laughs) I want to be. I think our younger generations definitely care about these things. But I think with, with all big change, there's a big reset. And I think we're going through a big reset right now. And I think there's still a lot of nastiness, so to speak, in the, I don't know if that's the simplest way for me to put it. There's definitely people who need to be reminded that they need to take care of themselves first. But then there's the taking that consideration to the next level of like, well, it doesn't matter who I step on along the way, because I'm all that matters. And so I think we're in a, in a bit of a reset of understanding self-care and mental health and speaking up for yourself and setting boundaries for yourself and understanding what all of that means and mindfulness, what all of that means versus just walking over everyone. So I'm hopeful that the reset will happen and everything will fall into place. I am hopeful that I think small business can start to plan again. And I am hopeful that 2020 and 2021 gave us a lot of things to think about. And there's a lot more people reevaluating what's important and what's not important. If you want to learn more about Alicia and her sustainable and inclusive beauty salon, visit queenshophair.com. In Toronto, visit Queen Shop to enjoy an uplifting salon experience no matter your age, gender, race, or orientation. You can follow along with Alicia on her mission to promote sustainability within the beauty space at Instagram at Queen Shop Hair. This episode was brought to you by Hip Mummies, carefully curated wholesale merchandise for modern Canadian retail. If you want to stock your shelves with carefully vetted, proven safe and thoughtfully designed brands, or if you're looking for Canadian distribution and representation, visit hipmummies.ca. Thank you for joining us this week. If you want to find out more about this episode or any of the previous episodes, please visit thecostofgoodsoul.com. 
Have a founder story that you think we should feature? Reach out on Twitter or Instagram at ofgoodsold. My name is Jennifer Myers-Chua, and you've been listening to Cost of Goods Sold, the podcast.